There's a lot of depression in the world about everything that's going on. Now, of course, it's it's always been that way. You look back through history, we're not in an uncommon time. We're just living through what the, the results of man's mistakes, okay? It's the best way I can put it. Um, you know, lack of caring, lack of planning, lack of understanding, plenty of lacks. But sometimes as a Christian, you just need to kind of climb up on top of all that and say, you know what, it's not that bad. We actually, because of who we are, we have it made, all right? And that's kind of a good feeling. I'm going to be reading to you from First Peter, the first chapter, starting with the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That sounds pretty good. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have grieved by various trials. That's what we live, those various trials that we have to work our way through. So that the tested the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through <clears throat> it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is expressionable and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, if that isn't what people call a breath of fresh air, I don't know what is. We need to hold on to these words. We need to read them a lot more often. And when somebody somebody starts complaining, we need to pull this stuff out and just tell them, here, if you have this, you won't have that, okay? It'll always be there. It'll always be on your foot, on your, you know, snapping at your heels. But we have an imperishable inheritance that's waiting for us. And all we have to do is prove ourselves, which we have to do that in everything we do anyway, when you think about it, is prove ourselves to be the Christian that we say we are. And the Christian, more, more so, that God wants us to be. So those are my words today.
morning. One of the uh, when I was a teenager here in this assembly, and and I was thinking back on the when you know, when I began, I was fifteen, sixteen, maybe a little younger than that when we started, when I started really getting serious about the Greek, um, and my interest in that really took off. I've, I I I enjoy. You know my studies and anybody's studies in the original language. It's uh, I get a lot out of it. That's just that's just me. Um, but uh, one of the things that I heard as a young man um, about this body was the willingness to learn. The that's 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 what uh, that's what this assembly is best at. We're great learners. And I was very excited to be a part of that, and I have every intention of continuing that identity. But I was thinking after you know, last last week we had we had a great great lunch just across the street over at Tags, and you know there is we're, there's some room for debate and about a lot of things. I I believe healthy debate about the things that go on in the assembly. Um, Things like a structure. Is there real found? Is there real biblical foundation for using church funds to su- to support a building? And some would argue absolutely not, and others uh, the opposite. But I got to thinking about it, and when I think about what our funds, what I believe, what I know our funds are to be used for, the continuation and the support of the preachers and teachers. The, the teaching and preaching of the word in the world. I don't need this building. It does not. It is not a necessity of mine. Um, I am thankful for it. You know, but there are many places we can gather together and study and fellowship. But when I think about this structure and what this body has. What it's best used for is for giving, not for receiving. What we allow, what is open to the world, whether that's online or coming right off the street. Think about these gifts that we give, this work that we do. It's not to better or profit ourselves. Not That's not my interest here, to, to gain a... a Profit, making money off of the church. That's not that's not my aim at all. But think about the work that we do, and I want to see it continue. I want to see it go on in in truth, with healthy debate, with healthy, uh, constructive building up of each other. We talk about uh, well, the Lord talks about. We were in first. First uh, in Second Timothy this morning, and I, I I always I can never get away. Um, every any time I'm nearby it, Second Timothy three. Paul has so much to say about what the church is to do, and some of those things are time appropriate, and some of those are are not. But in talking about the word. 
uh, chapter 3, verse 14, And thou, be remaining in the things which thou did learn and was entrusted with, having known from who thou did learn. That is, Timothy learning from Paul, an apostle of Christ. And because from a babe the holy writings thou hast known, the scriptures, which are able to make thee wise to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. And most famously, verse 16, every writing, every writing, every scripture is God-breathed. It is out of his breath. It is his breath effect and profitable for teaching, for conviction, setting aright, for instruction that is in righteousness, that the man of God may be fitted for every good work having been completed. I'd ask that you consider your giving and the work that you do, whichever in whichever way you do give. I am thankful for it. We are thankful for it. And uh, hope to continue more. Thank you. way of our prayers that we've been offering, um, a couple of things. The uh, the baby that we've been speaking about, praying about, is doing better, we hear, and that's a good thing. Um, so um, we used to have a lot of uh, prayer requests, and we had a category for uh, uh, answered prayer, which was about as long as the other one. So remember that's uh, to think about that too. And uh, by the way, we, I'd like to have you remember Kathy, she's got a bandage on her thumb last night after we got back from Tucson. You'd think the day would be over, but it wasn't. <laughs> so Kathy uh, fell down trying to do the bed in the bedroom, and the dog's bed's there, and it's, you know, gets a little out of hand. Anyway, she fell and punctured her in her thumb and and uh and uh bump on her head and I guess she according to what they said at the ER she she uh, got away with that uh real light but it didn't feel like it at the time so we're glad that nothing nothing further than that she got all checked out so there's nothing nothing wrong you know as far as got to break something to get their attention, I guess. But uh, they can't help you with the pain. That's what we do here. <laughs> so keep those things. In. And uh, we have uh, Nolan is not with us today. So we'll be all together here for our look at, uh, at Luke. 
23. Jesus is now going to be judged by the Jewish council and finally the Roman governor in this chapter. And all of that to fulfill the scriptures concerning the Messiah of God. So I want to start this off today with reminding you about what we're talking about. Long before Jesus was arrested in the garden, the prophets told of of the Messiah. And this is a description of the things that would, would come to be with him. Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of Jehovah been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender sapling and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor lordliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we would desire him. He is despised and left alone of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hide their faces, despised. We esteemed him not. Now when he says we esteem, he's talking about his people, the Jewish people. In a future tense. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we, we did not regard him stricken, smitten of God, and affected, afflicted rather, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And Jehovah hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and was as as a sheep dumb before her shearers. And he opened not his mouth. He was taken from oppression and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. And men appointed his grave with the wicked, but he was with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there guile in his mouth. Yet it pleased Jehovah to bruise him, and he has subjected him to suffering. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see a seed He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the fruit of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant instruct many in righteousness, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will assign him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, 
because he hath poured out his soul unto death and was reckoned with the transgressor, transgressors, and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's the chapter, chapter 53 of Isaiah. That is the messianic chapter. So when the Jewish people of Jesus' day thought of the Messiah, do you think that they read that passage and said, this is how we should recognize our Messiah? This is what's going to happen to our our Messiah, the Redeemer? Indeed, he redeemed the sins of men even though many of them did not appreciate it whatsoever, just as they do not today. We can praise his name when we read things such as that, for that is the illustration, if you will. That is the prophet of God describing the the uh, character and the, and the 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 plight if you will of the Jewish Messiah but in chapter 23 in Luke is recorded how these things come about how it was going to be done in the the what they would consider the modern way then um, Jesus goes before Pilate the first time uh, we find in Luke, and this is the only gospel we find it in, that Jesus was brought to Pilate. Pilate sent him to Herod. Herod sent him back to Pilate. And uh, in the other gospels, we don't have that that quite that way. Uh, the whole thing is kind of um, spoken together, and we don't see the interaction. We see a lot of the things that happened when Pilate when he went to Pilate, but Pilate's not mentioned. But anyway, um, Luke is very exacting in this, and we'll read about it. So this is what happens when he goes the first time. Uh, And we're also going to look at John 18 um, uh, for another text uh, on this. So Luke 23, first seven verses say, The whole multitude of them rising up led him to Pilate. And they begin to accuse him, saying, We have found this man perverting our nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate demanded of him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest. And Pilate said to the chief priests, And the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they insisted, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee even on to here in Jerusalem. But Pilate, having heard Galilee named, demanded if this man were a Galilean, and having learned that he was of Herod's Herod's jurisdiction, remitted him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem 
in those days. That's how it occurred. And um, we see that politicians haven't changed too much. Uh, you know, Matt, moving trouble from them to somebody else. Here you go. Well, this is what was happening. But Pilate made it clear. He found, he found nothing wrong. He had done nothing wrong. There was no charges against Jesus, according to the Roman governor of Palestine. So he sent him to Pilate. But he asked Jesus a direct question that he had heard from the other men. And he said, Art thou the king of the Jews? Asks Pilate. And Jesus answered, answered very simply, Thou sayest. By the way, that's a, a Jewish idiom uh, that that means the same as yes, but when you say it, you know, there's some validity to it. Um, but what is the king of the Jews in Pilate's mind? That's the thing. Uh, we'll, in some of the other texts we'll read, um, Pilate doesn't want to be concerned with Jewish customs and Jewish law things that have to do with the Jews. He is the Roman governor of the region. He is there to keep peace, collect money. Basically, that's it. Uh, they can take care of their, other, their own affairs. Let's look at John 18. John 18, verse 33. It says this, Pilate therefore entered again into the praetorium and called Jesus and said to him, Thou art the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Dost thou say this of thyself, or have others said it to thee concerning me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy nation and the chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants had fought that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from this from hence. Pilate therefore said to him, Thou art then a king? Jesus answered, Thou sayest it. And I am a king. I have been born for this, and for this I have come into the world that I might bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate says to him, What is truth? And having said this, he went out again to the Jews and says to them, I find no fault whatever in him. By the way, you'll notice that Jesus didn't answer the question, what is truth? Because Jesus had already said in public many times, 
God is truth. God is is life. Uh, The word of God is truth. All to do, everything he was saying, and and what Jesus was saying, as he said over and over again, the things that I have said, I have heard from my Father. So when Pilate said, what is truth? He was listening to the truth. But was it the truth in his mind? No. Because Pilate is like most people today. They would, the truth is relative to the situation, relative to this, relative to that. Why is it, though, there's, that everybody always wants absolute truth in some aspect in their life? So they have something called certainty. This they want to be known as truth. <laughs> that they can rest assured, you know, on and on and on it goes. No, truth is truth. It always was true. It's true now. It'll be true tomorrow. That's how truth is. Now let's read about Jesus sent to Herod by Pilate, the governor of Palestine. Luke 23, verses 8 through 12. And when Herod saw Jesus, he greatly rejoiced. For he had been a long time while a long time while desirous of seeing him, because of hearing many things concerning him, and he hoped to see some signs done by him. And he questioned him in many words, but Jesus answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and accused him violently. And Herod, with his troops, having set him at naught and mocked him, having put a a splendid robe upon him, sent him back to Pilate. And Pilate and Herod became friends with one another that same day. For they had been at enmity before between themselves. This, this is, like I said, this is only recorded in, in Luke. This little uh, laid out like this. Although some of the, uh, the things that happen here about the robe and all that uh, are also described in the other, the other Gospels. Uh, but not necessarily having to do with Herod himself, but by, by the soldiers and things of that sort. So I think that's interesting. Um, and that's why the Gospels and the harmony of them are, is so important. Uh, it's, there, it's not contradiction. You'll find no contradictions in the Gospel or anywhere else in the Scriptures if you are indeed truly studying it by by the, the the original language, the context, the all of the rules of interpretation, you'll find no description or uh, d- uh, errors, if you will. So now Jesus, and the third point and my last point today, Jesus goes before Pilate the second time. All right, Luke twenty three thirteen through twenty five.
So we know that there's the passing of time here, a matter of hours, I imagine, from one place to the other, from the garden to to uh, the high priest, and then and then to Pilate the next morning. I mean, it just rolls on. It's a long day, if you will, for Jesus. No rest for him. And in verse 13, it begins this way. And Pilate, having called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said to them, You have brought to me this man as turned away, as turning away from the people to rebellion. And behold, I have examined him before you and found nothing criminal in this man as to the things of which you accuse him, nor Herod either. You see, there was no accusation that, no lawful accusation that that stuck. For I remit you to him. Behold, nothing worth of death is done by him. Having chastened him, therefore, I will release him. Now, he was obliged to release one of them, uh, one for them at the feast. So the governor of Palestine always released one of the prisoners, Jewish prisoners, to the people at the time of the Passover. That was a custom that they had established to explain that. Verse 18. But they cried out in a mass, saying, Away with this man, and release Barabbas to us, who was one who, who for a certain turmoil, uh, which he had taken place in the city, and for murder, had been cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, desirous to release release Jesus, again addressed them. But they cried out in, in reply, saying, Crucify, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, What evil then has this man done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will chasten him, therefore, and release him. Now, chasing is the scourging that, that we, we know of, uh, that it's, that word's used in other Gospels. Uh, it's punishment. And no small punishment, I might add. But they were urgent with loud voices towards Pilate, begging that he might be crucified. And their voices and those of the chief priests prevailed, and Pilate adjudged that what they begged should take place. And he released him who for turmoil and murder had been cast into prison, whom they begged for, and Jesus he delivered up to their will. So we find that Pilate finds Jesus innocent of any criminal act, but does not use the power invested in his decision-making to release Jesus and not allow them, the Jews to harm him. He could have done that, but 
he didn't want to deal with them any more than he wanted to deal with the situation with Jesus. So he did what he felt was best to keep what he would consider the peace, if you will. Now, the things that Jesus had said before the high priest uh, was enough to convict him amongst the Jews of blasphemy, even though he could prove everything he said. It was evident. Everyone knew who Jesus of Nazareth was by that time. The miracles accomplished, uh, his, his teaching, the words, the people of, of Palestine loved to listen to him. They, they were relying on him. They were hoping he was the Messiah, but they didn't understand fully what all that meant. But Pilate finds Jesus innocent of any criminal act. And that, of course, that goes along with the, the scripture. Uh, in Isaiah 53, it also goes along with what we read about in Hebrews, that Jesus was uh, died for the died for the sins of men, but he was sinless. Jesus was sinless in all ways, uh, by word or deed, as we know very very clearly. So I'm going to go to John chapter 19 right now. John 19, and read um, a similar, the, uh, the account uh, we find there. Let's um, start with verse 1. We'll have more description here. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers, having uh, planted a crown of thorns, put it on his head and put a purple robe on him and came to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, <clears throat> and gave him blows to the, on the face. And Pilate went out again and said to them, Lo, I bring out to you that you may know that I find in him no fault whatever. Jesus, therefore, went forth without wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And he said to them, Behold the man. When therefore the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Take him ye and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered and said, We have a law, and according to our law he ought to die because he made himself Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard this word, he was rather afraid and went into the Praetorium again and says to Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore says to him, Speakest thou not to me? Dost thou not know that I have authority to release thee and have authority to crucify thee? Jesus answered, Thou hast no authority whatsoever against me if it were not given to thee from above. On this account, he that has delivered me up to thee has the greater sin. From this time, 
Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou release this man, thou art not a friend to Caesar. Everyone making himself a king speaks against Caesar. Pilate, therefore, having heard these words, let Jesus out and sat down upon the judgment seat at a place called Pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation of the Passover. That was the day. It was about the sixth hour. And he says to the the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Take him away and take him away and crucify him. Pilate says to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then therefore he delivered him up to them that he might be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. That just gives us a lot more information about what was said there by both the Jews, Pilate, and Jesus himself. Jesus had nothing to defend himself. He only did what? He only spoke the exact truth of of the occasion. Pilate had already asked him what is truth. He was trying to give him the answer, if you will. Just to finish up here, Matthew 27. The Gospels, um, a lot of uh, text concerning this situation. Matthew 27, verse 24 through 26. And Pilate, seeing that it availed nothing, but rather a turmoil was arising, having taken water, washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am guiltless of the blood of this righteous one. See ye to it. And all the people answered, saying, His blood be on us and our children. You know, that was the thought. That was the word, if you will, that needed to be spoken by them. To make clear that the prophecy that Jesus had had uh, already spoke before the Jews, not very long before this time period. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 23, it's called the woes chapter, <coughs> where Jesus is chastising the Jewish rulers for uh, the fact that they had not been good rulers. They had been counterfeit in many ways. Matthew 23, verses 29 through 36. I'll close with this. Jesus says to the Jews, and this is just a short time before the crucifixion. And by the way, the same people he was talking to here were those that were standing before Pilate yelling at the top of their lungs to crucify this one. But here we read this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the sepulchers of the prophets and adorn the tombs of the just. And you say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. 
So, that you bear witness of yourselves that you are sons of those who slew the prophets. And you, fill ye up the measure of your fathers. Serpents, offspring of vipers, how should you escape the judgment of Gehenna? Therefore, behold, now listen to this, I, Jesus saying is, is giving you the word I, which is first person, it's regarding him, what he is going to do. And this they should have been listening careful to. Because he says, therefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify. And some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and will persecute from city to city so that all the righteous blood shed upon the earth should come upon you from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, son of Bacchus, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And by the word, that little word, this, in front of the word generation there, does not, does not mean the Jewish race. It, mean, it means the Jewish people of that generation. Like we have a generation today. We have those that are young in our generation and those that are old. And generation after generation, it used to be measured in about a 40-year period. Well, it's, it's longer now. And before then, it was a lot longer than that. But generation is, is used in that passing term, this generation, meaning those that are present today. So when we put those together, we find that not only did, Jew, did Jesus tell them uh, they were warned of these actions and you would wonder why anyone would do such a thing as that because Jesus was, if he wasn't even looked at as a Messiah, uh, in many ways he was looked at as a prophet. John the Baptist was looked at as a prophet and yet he had been killed by Herod. And now the rulers in Jerusalem were demanding the crucifixion of a man that Pilate, a Roman, found no fault in, no law-breaking whatsoever. If you read the, the history books of that time period, it'll, it'll tell you when it talks about the crucifixion of Jesus, um, the documents that were there, the um, the charge was sedition. Jesus was crucified for sedition against the state, but that 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 can't be true because uh, Pilate made it clear that he had broken no law of the state, and that indeed the man was righteous on top of that. So this was what the Jews wanted to uh, put in fact he was a seditionist and uh, believe me 
sedition was uh, an act that could uh, could end you up on on a cross. Just a year before in Jerusalem, a thousand Jewish seditionists had been crucified and put on crosses on the roads coming into Jerusalem. A thousand. So you you see the atmosphere. It, it's it's hard for us to imagine the atmosphere, but there there we have it. And um, when we think of Jesus the Messiah, we think of the prophecies. Um, God kept His promises, and the prophecies all came to fulfillment, to fruition, if you will. And in that, we 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 find a a faithful witness to what truly is the truth, the Word of God. And friends, if these things are true, so are all the other things to do with Jesus. So is the fact that His blood can take away our sins. That's the point, the point of it all. Let us have our hymn of invitation at this time. Singing sometimes, hallelujah.